Well, everybody, what's the crack? And welcome back to episode number 29 of the Inline G Flute Podcast with me, your host, motherfucking Inline G. As you guys can see from the title, we have another guest on the podcast this week. So if you want to go and listen directly to that interview, just skip ahead a couple of minutes. Before then, I'm going to do an introduction, get the housekeeping out of the way so we can enjoy it. So my guest this week on the podcast is Paris-based Brazilian-American flutist, chamber musician, soloist, and my wee mate, Tomás Tavares. Tomás and I actually studied together at the Academy de Musique uh, in Paris. I was there, I think, 2014 to 2017. Tomás joined a year later than I did and stayed a lot longer when I moved to Germany. He was in Jean Ferrandis' flute class. I was in the class of Catherine Canton. Um, we were great friends. We bonded a lot over many things. One of our great shared loves was a small pub just beside Saint-Michel called the Galway Irish Pub. So literally facing... Notre Dame. It's a pub that I've loved for many years. It's my favourite place on this earth. And so it was a real pleasure for me personally to be able to bring this podcast not only to Paris but to the Galway Irish pub. So I'd like to take just one second and say thank you very much to the guys there, especially Jack, who organised it to allow me and Tomaj to film this episode upstairs in there. It was an absolute pleasure. So we sunk a few pints of Guinness. We chatted about everything from the French flute school to our favourite flute albums. Tomás's experiences in Brazil and the US, his new solo career, and we did it all in front of some very, very confused French people. So, last thing before I let you loose in this interview, normally this is the part where I would tell you about donations and how you can financially contribute to the podcast if you choose so. Tomás will do that at the end. He knew all the, the lines to say, he knew the script, so he'll do that at the end of the podcast. But if you want to contribute to the podcast without spending money, there is one great way to do that. If you're on YouTube, subscribe, like, comment. If you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review and subscribe. If you're on social media, find me on TikTok, Instagram, or Facebook, or all three, under Gareth Houston Flutus. Please, please, please go and do those things. Especially reach out on Instagram or social media. I love to hear from you guys personally. Let me know where you're from in the world, what brought you to the podcast, what you do for a living. I love building this community up. But the reason I know you're all sick of hearing people on the internet say subscribe, like, comment, blah, 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 blah. I'm not doing it for my ego. I am doing it purely because it is a huge help to a small independent podcast like this one. I do everything on my own right here. We've got massive guests coming up in the next few weeks, especially next week. It's a lot of work. I love it. It is my passion project and my baby. But one of the best ways to support it and keep the podcast existing is to go and do all those things. It just gets the algorithm on my side. It gets more people seeing the podcast, more people exposed to it, brings in a bit more support for me and potentially some financial benefits which allow this podcast to exist. So go ahead. Please, please do it. Just comment under the video. Say anything. I don't care what you comment. Comment your favorite flute. Comment your favorite Avenger. Comment your favorite Spice Girl. Oh my God, do that. Comment your favorite Spice Girl. So anyway, do all that, please. It means the world to me. Even if you don't watch the videos, go find another video and just hit like on it. It really, really helps so much. Anyway, guys, thank you all very much for being here. Here is this week's Inline G Flute Podcast episode in Paris from the Galway Irish Pub with none other than Monsieur Thomas Tavares. Right, well, do you know what I want to talk about straight away? Just while we're let's on. Go. Yeah. Tell me about the flute. Okay, let's talk about the flute. Because this is such an interesting flute. So, who makes it? I know who makes it, but I have to tell for the listeners. Okay, <laughs> fair play. Um, this is a Straubinger 14 carat flute. So, Straubinger is in the guy who makes the pads. It's the guy who makes the pads. Yeah. I never knew he made flutes until I saw your flute. He does. I think he makes maybe 10 flutes a year. Is that it? That's it. That's it. Ten is he still making them? Not, he's still so, he's with his uh, son now, Joel Straubinger, and they're both oh. a great duo. Um, they're still pushing out the pads 
and but they're making solidly like eight to ten flutes. That's incredible, yeah. yeah. And so, so what is it? Gold, gold body, gold body, uh, silver keys. What kind of carat gold are we talking? Fourteen. Oh, on fait ce qu'on peut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mine's mine's not as much as that. Yeah. No, but I mean, uh, Man, I that is boring. Oh, could I give a tell shit. us about because obviously the podcast is very happy named Inline G, and I'm always You're asking right. people, are you team Inline team Offset? You've sat in the fence. Should, you I, should, I leave? The should I leave? Tell, the us, tell us what this is. Okay. I've never seen this before. Uh, this is a half offset. Um, should I look at the camera? Is that weird? Should I just look yeah, at Yeah, you can do both. Right. If, you, if you're explaining to the people, you can look at the camera. All right. Sometimes I look dead in the camera. When I'm making a very serious point, I look right at them because I want them to feel uncomfortable. The, um, this podcast is free. It will always <laughs> be free. Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, um, yeah, so half offset. Half offset. Um, yeah, I was that a choice, or did you just pick it up like that? And you thought I'll get used to it. I I, I bought this flute actually from my old teacher. Oh and yeah. He had a he had made this flute spec um, with Straubinger, and what was really nice is after I bought the flute, I went to David, and we worked on it for weeks on to get the height of the keys right, just the oh, way really? I liked it. Oh really? Okay. It was really nice. And wow. So and a, the head joint. Head joint. Um, that is a sexy head joint. It's a sorry. sexy head joint. I don't know if I can show the the public. You've got gr- two. I'll put a picture in. I'll edit that in. We'll after edit it. That my editing team will manage that. <laughs> There's, what is it? It's a Folizzi. It's a Gorgeous. Italian maker who's been in France, I think, now. And for a beautifully engraved one as well. Exactly. Did you ask for the engraving, or is that just. No, no, a this happy is a head joint from the late 90s. It's oh, from, wow. It's a okay. Sophie Chevier mo- model from the late she 90s. She has a model? Like, she had something. It's the one that she, like, bought okay. that time, yeah, yeah. so she plays on it still. Oh, man. But um, there's two lovely mermaids, so it always feels and great. And here, uh, low B. Low B? Yeah. I what do you think about a B foot joint? I love low B. I don't yeah. I know people love talking about how light and you know, uh, which is nice. I mean, it's great. But I love to be able to play low B. I use it a lot because I do a lot of violin rep. Yeah, and so okay, true, yeah. That helps a lot. That helps uh, a lot. Do you ever use it for like extended fingerings and all that kind of stuff? No, mm-hmm. I know a few people use it for like alternative fingerings and high octave. I do I use all it. Kinds of tricks. Uh, recently, I played the the, the Goldenrod Sonata. I don't know if you've heard that. Oh, I have, yeah. And oh. so uh, it starts with a pianissimo high C. Yeah. So I know, yeah. <laughs> that does help a lot using this the little gizmo, gidget, whatever it's called. The Golden Rod Sonata is... It's written by Sato Matsui. Sato, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sato. Yeah, Sato. yeah I've met exactly. many times. Yeah. Yeah. She wrote it for, was it for Kyle Winsink? She recently played it. This was written for Kyle Winsink. Exactly. Yeah, that is a gorgeous piece of music, by the way. Great piece. Yeah, the flute needs more modern sonatas. Yeah, okay. She just wrote a new one. Ooh. Amazing. Have you, have you heard it? We just premiered it um, oh, it's two like, weeks ago. We just okay, what's it called? Ago. It's called Six Tankas for Solo Flute and Piano. Okay. And it's kind of a, a reference to the six epigraphs by Debussy. Ooh. But with her own sort of like you know traditional so Japanese. So six separate her, movements then. Six kind of, separate okay. movements. Wow. Beautiful music. Yeah. It'll, it'll be out soon. Ooh. <laughs> it's gonna yeah. It's gonna be available. It's gonna be published. It'll be published soon. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I would recommend any free pairs to go check that out. The Golden Rod Sonata. There is a couple of recordings. Carol's definitely recorded. Carol's recorded it. Um, we recorded it a few months ago. Um, yeah, with, yeah. Did you do it with uh, Imago as well? Yeah. yeah. Im- Imago. 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 Man, I need to stop fucking up pronunciations in this podcast. No, no, but I think I think Sebastian <laughs> Jasso would love that. I think. Fuck off. <laughs> Man, I was so embarrassed I did that. I actually, I'll probably address this now while I'm on this Let's because go. I fucked up three names in this podcast, which is getting embarrassed now. Three? Sebastian Jacko, I yeah. thought it was Jasso, yeah. but that's my own pretension coming out there. And then you <laughs> reminded me, sent me a message going, Gareth, for fuck's sake. So that one I messed up. Um, I had a girl that I've known for years on the podcast, Ashling Agnew. I had her as a guest in Belfast. And I genuinely still believe this, that it's some kind of pronunciation thing that's localized because I thought it was Aisling. And apparently she sent me a message after and was like, that's not my name. And I was going, oh, oh no. my God. I was so scundered. And then the episode with Jill a few weeks ago in Canada, the guy, Stefan, 
Stefan Ragnar Horskulsson. Oh man, you've been practicing that before you came. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I didn't even fuck that one what up. Did I just you didn't say? even what try. Did you say? I didn't even try. I was like, the Icelandic guy. Icelandic guy. Stefan. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. I just dropped it, man. Great play. So, yeah, Great um, play. Why was I not? Oh, Imago. Imago. Well, here, that's a beautiful segue. Tell me about Ensemble Imago. Let's talk about Ensemble Imago. Um, so, during the pandemic, we were, as most musicians, we were all kind of, you know, feeling a bit low, yeah. not knowing what to do. Oh. And so, all of these friends that all had some sort of connection to New York. Oh, and okay. came from New York. Yeah. Um, some Juilliard grads. I was born in New York. Somebody yeah. else who had uh, gone through the system there and who had all chosen to live in Paris. Yeah. Chosen okay. to make our lives there. We were like, let's make an ensemble. And that so we it? started in the middle of the pandemic. We had to... Perfect you know, time to start an ensemble, Great time it? to start an ensemble. <laughs> and it comes from uh, Ima, uh, Ima Go, which mm-hmm. is uh, the, the, the pupil butterfly that digests itself, whatever. <laughs> Just I have no idea the, what that is. <laughs> you don't know what the Im- no. Imago is? You said that as if I would know about uh, the butterfly that eats itself. I'm very disappointed <laughs> in you. Right, tell me about this butterfly that eats itself so we have context. The Imago is a process in which the caterpillar digests itself. It is that not Chrysalis? Chris, Chris I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just trying to... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we call it something different in Belfast. <laughs> Maybe. And then it also takes together the, the two Japanese characters, Ima and Go, which means from henceforth. Because ah. we were kind of using the pandemic as a way to sort of start something new that's so. cool yeah fuck I, I, I've been saying Imajo for so long now man I think that's good that's good but French people call Imajo as well wouldn't they they must no, eh, ensemble Imago <laughs> but we <laughs> like to joke that when we're done with rehearsal we say I'm a go ah I'm nice go. okay so you started ensemble Imago during yeah. the pandemic um, how many people were in the ensemble at the start at the start we 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 were flute piano cello and composer because mm-hmm. the composer Sato Matsui yeah. is the artistic director. Yeah. And so since then, we've had a few changes in personnel. Yeah. But uh, at this moment, we have myself, the pianist, Sato still, who yeah. writes things for us, who arranges things for us. Yeah. And we're keeping it very sort of uh, variable formation. Yeah. So we work with viola, doing in a small orchestra whenever yeah. we need to, that kind of stuff. I've Cello. seen some of your projects as well, because to be fair, the production quality and the video you guys do is incredible. Who's doing that? So that is, we, we specifically want to find a somebody to bring something new yeah and so we, we found this um contemporary dance videographer called kadia uwabi wow and that's where it gets this kind of like moving these people, man? i don't know man it's not me this uh, is paris isn't it it's there's paris. always these it's people paris. in paris it's paris well the big thing that we wanted to do is to figure out what can we do now in paris with people who live here now what does it yeah. mean to be in paris now yeah and not necessarily as a parisian yeah okay so yeah Awesome. It's, it's been a, a passion project. I would sure. say then for everybody listening or watching to go and check out Ensemble Imago on YouTube because there is some beautiful versions of stuff. Yeah. Am I right in saying you did a version of the was it the French national anthem? I want to say at some point. No, that was. <laughs> we got some shit for that actually. Oh, really? Believe it or not, the French people can be quite touchy about the French national. Oh yeah, anthem. but French French people are touchy about everything. That is very true. Maybe we say we save that for later in the podcast. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. We'll get a few more pints in this before we bring that up. Um, but yeah, what what would you recommend as the uh, the the uh, quintessential recording to go to I mean, for people dipping their toes. We did a really interesting uh, version of um, the Bach Triple Concerto, which is a little less known. Yeah. We did the Bach yeah. Concerto for flute, harpsichord, and violin, and yeah. a small orchestra, yeah. except we really were intent on... That was on, gorgeous, yeah. Thank you. We were intent on, on playing that with modern instruments. We really wanted to sort of make a convincing um, yeah. interpretation of that. Have you ever played a Baroque flute? I've tried. And they're I've had fucking I've, hard, man. I can't really do hard. It. I really respect people who do it well. Yeah. And people who like dedicate themselves. I to think it. you have to be. I'm going to alienate a lot of my audience here, but I think you have to be a little bit insane to play the baroque. I don't think that. No, 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 no. Yeah, you, you're not alienating anyone. I think there's a like there's something not quite right there because it's almost torture. 
it's something quite it's way yeah. too hard <laughs> and it's like a very specific set of rep and it's so hyper focused on you know form and structure and accuracy all the time yeah. it's insane well and i was having a conversation sorry, yesterday good. with a really good friend of mine who's a, a traverso player and he was talking about how uh, bart quicken which you've oh. talked about i think oh he he talks about how you don't actually need to read treatises yeah. The flute is enough for you to understand what, how to play, how yes. to style, because there's so many limitations yes. to it that you're obligated to just do something with it. To do what you can, and yeah. that naturally is what well, the composer like had in mind. It's always some kind of uh, compromise on the instrument. You're always compromising. Yeah. But then I have a good friend who plays baroque flute, and she studies in the Royal College, and she was saying she actually loves that because you're finding these different colors all the time. That is true. And that there's like true. a beauty in the colors because obviously you're using mixed fingerings or covered fingerings yep. and there's a bit of leeway of what fingers you can use and they give a slightly different color and the imperfection is maybe what makes it nice. It's even, it's even nicer and I think that that's where we've gone wrong with the modern flute. We're so obsessed with the, the homogeneity, yeah. the, this whole you know, idea of homogeneity of sound at all times and vibrato through all the yeah. phases. It's, it's exhausting, I think. I see, but that's something we can go into beautifully then. So I, in maybe. the very... In the very complimentary introduction I'm going to give to this episode, I'll explain that we studied together and stuff like that. But obviously, we both came to Paris. We're no, not French. We're not French. We came here. I'm assuming you had the same expectations I did of the great French flute school. <sighs> I was quite intimidated by it, to be totally honest. I was quite scared. I didn't know much about it, actually. Really? I had no idea about the, these sort of lofty aspirations of the French flute. Wow. School. I that, came... that might be a blessing, though. Maybe. Um, well... <laughs> Just as a small segue, because uh, in preparation for that Bach uh, concerto that we yeah. played, I actually went to Magali. Oh, really? Which, uh, maybe your listen- listeners might have heard of. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I've mentioned her once or twice in this podcast. <laughs> and she helped me sort of bring out what, what the f- modern flute can do that maybe yeah. the Traverso can't. Oh, she's and so how good at doing that. Bring yeah. a certain bit of life into that. Yeah, and but to see, to me, she's the perfect example of the French flute school. There's a few players. Exactly. There's her. I think Jean, Jean Ferrandi's your teacher. I think, yeah. Julien Bonimont, Philippe Bonnol. They are like, they're very similar players in many yeah. ways. Yeah. But yeah, when I came here, I was nervous as fuck. Man, <laughs> the first lesson I had in the Ecole Normale, Catherine had just started teaching there. So mm. it was her first class as well. Um, well it was in French. And Catherine was, she's in the opera, right? Yeah, at that so time she's she still principal for the opera. So like, man, you go into your lesson thinking, I'm going to be paying for the principal for the Paris opera. You're shitting yourself. And it was the first time I was doing the class system where you have to play in front of people. And of course, yeah. Man, I, I couldn't sleep. I was there in the economy like two hours early, Jeez. loaded up on coffee. It was awful because I just had this idea of like, the French food school is this thing and you're now a part of it and you're in that system. You learn very quickly that you're not yeah. part of it. Yeah, you, you learn do to be very <laughs> quickly that you're not a part of it. You get humbled very quickly. You get very quickly. When I came to Paris, um, I came because I just wanted to study with Jean. I had done my yeah. undergrad in America and there was something I was looking for and yeah. I couldn't find there. Yeah. I felt almost slightly oppressed yeah. by the idea that you can do anything in America. They yeah. didn't tell you, you can do anything, you can be anyone, um, you can play the rep however you feel, there's no rules and of course I'm exaggerating, you know. But I did feel very comforted by coming to Paris and having a sense that I was on a schéma, you know, a yeah. ligne droite. Yeah. Yeah. And that was very, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, you did come just for Jean then. By the way, yeah. have I talked about Jean a lot in this podcast? I've definitely mentioned him once or twice. I am a fucking huge fan of Jean Ferrandis. I am a huge fan. I remember, I think I was still studying here when he brought out the Bach album. Oh my God, with uh, Lila Cazzarella. Yeah. Oh man. And I think he did it. Did he do a concert at the San Cotto once as well with that he repertoire? Did, he did that. Yeah. Were you there oh. for that? No, but I saw the videos of it. I think I was just moved. I was moved away. I just moved away. Amazing. Just... Man, John Fahandis is one of my favorite players of all time. I really, I should get him in this podcast as well. You should get him in this podcast. Do you reckon he'll come on? 
I think he would. Do you know what I was actually thinking about just the other day? Because the have you seen the Bernstein film yet? I I haven't seen it myself. Yet. I haven't seen it yet. But isn't it? I don't know if I can say this on camera. We'll cut it out. No. Um, is it true that? Bernstein wrote a cadenza for Jean he for did. the Mozart concerto. He did, but it's not published. It's not published. Um, when I was still Jean's student, I went to his apartment once, and he showed me the actual cadenza. No, like in that Bernstein's handwriting. Bernstein's now? handwriting that he Bernstein apparently during rehearsal wrote over the timpani, and then just was like, "Can you play that?" And I think you can hear it online. There's a video. There is one version, I think. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Fuck. But it's, it's not published, and it's not out it's there. It's not published. It's not out there. I mean, it's like a it's a thirty second cadenza. And yeah, it's just but sort of like Bernstein. A, exactly. It's a Bernstein flute cadenza. There's not many there. Exactly. I'm not going to No, no, there aren't. Oh, why doesn't he publish it? Or is he just keeping it for himself? Is that a wee I don't souvenir? Know. I think it's a little souvenir. Yeah. Um, to be fair, if Bernstein were a cadenza for me, I would probably keep it. No, I wouldn't. I'd sell it. Man, I'd sell it. I'd the sell it. I'd, oh, sell I'd be, be raking. That's where Jean's a much better man than I am. No. Um, no. Right, I've got some notes here. We're going okay, to try to keep this podcast on track here. There's a lot I want to talk about. Uh, music school experience. So, you came to Paris. You came yeah. the same year, right? No, year after. 2017. So I think it was the okay, year Okay, I was 2016, yeah. Okay. So you were in America before? I was in America before. Where were you in America? I was at uh, uh, Jacobs School of Music in yeah. Bloomington, Indiana. Bloomington, that's right, yeah. Exactly. And where were you before that? Before Bloomington? Yeah, before I was in Brazil. Okay, so you came from Brazil to America. Exactly. At what age? So I, I was born in New York, actually, and then uh, moved to Brazil when I was five or six. I guess your parents are Brazilian, or one of your parents is They're Brazilian? They're both Brazilian. Okay. Yeah, my whole family is Brazilian. I actually come from a family of, uh, like, three generations of lawyers. That's right. Lawyers, yeah. judges, yeah. accountants, all of and then, it. And then you. <laughs> and then me. And then me. You could um, be making money now, man. I could be making money. I could be <laughs> making be money. You could fund this podcast for me. I don't know about that. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, uh, it was an experience. It was definitely an experience. So growing up in Brazil, when did you start playing flute? Uh, actually, quite late. I okay. started the flute when I was um, 12. 13, wow, 13 late, 12, yeah. 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 I started with the guitar when I was eight. Oh, really? So okay, I was playing classical bossa, guitar? Bossa Nova. Bossa Nova, bossa Nova jazz. Um, my parents, they used to listen to a lot of jazz, a lot of Bossa Nova. Oh, so and cool. so I actually didn't know about classical music. Okay. I didn't know it growing up. There was no sense of like uh, who any of these people yeah. were. Yeah. And then when you switched to flute, was it still Bossa Nova traditional flute? Or were you no, 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 no. I was classical? doing just guitar, just jazz. Um, you know, this kind of guitar yeah. stuff. Um, big band stuff, and then I discovered Tchaikovsky when I was a teenager, mm. and that for me was a huge revelation. Really, Tchaikovsky? I just uh, his fifth. Oh, his yeah. Fifth. To be fair, and that that lit something in me, and uh, I feel like that's a very teenage <laughs> thing as well, isn't it? I think I was talking about this yesterday. Like you know the way obviously teenagers go through an angsty phase where they listen to my yep. Chemical Romance or yep. Fall Out Boy, which I also had, but there is a classical music version of that. Yep. And I feel like it's Tchaikovsky, Rachmaninoff, Stravinsky. Yeah. Stravinsky's a good one, yeah. Red Spring for me. Chopin was a big Chopin. one as well. Oh my God, yeah. Red Spring's filthy, man. Yeah. It's filthy. And I used to listen to that on the car on my way to school oh. every day. Just yeah. I thought it was so just... So Tchaikovsky then lit something in you and you were like, that's it, it. it I want to... Well, and then I was like, I want to play, play in the orchestra. Yeah. And this is such a non-flute story because I, I said, I want to play in the orchestra. I want to do classical music. And my teacher said, well, there's, there's no guitar in the orchestra. Yeah. And so we sat down and he you know, showed me, like, listen, you can play this, you can play that. And I said, the flute looks pretty cool. You're yeah. dead center, you've got some solos, you've got some lyrical yeah. stuff, you've okay. you know, good, uh, good seating. So that's why then? That's what attracted you to him? That attracted me. And uh, my, my guilty pleasure is that, do you remember the, the Inspector Gadget beatbox video? Man, Greg Patello. <laughs> Greg Patello. Man, I swear to God, I still watch that video about once no a way. month. I still watch that. 
man. Okay, that, I feel a lot better. That is so good, that video, man. It, and it's funny to watch it now because it sounds great, but it's so pixelated and shitty because it's obviously like 20 yep. years old or 15 years old. Yep, exactly. It's old as shit, but man, that was one of the videos that like would have kept my love for the food alive when I was a teenager. When you felt like you weren't cool, you'd watch that. Exactly. I, I'm not going to lie. I hope Greg doesn't listen to this podcast, but I'll watch it now. I cringe a wee bit. I cringe a little bit. I'm like, It man. was very specific to the time. It I was, think. yeah. It was very it was specific. part of the, the zeitgeist of the time. It really yeah. was. And I mean, I love what he's doing still. I mean, he... Because he, he had a new a, trio, didn't he? He had a project, he, project trio. Project trio, yeah. yeah and he switched awesome. it out. I, I love that album. They, yeah. they, they came out with two albums that I would listen to nonstop. So that was a big thing for me. Mm. And then, you know, getting into music, playing in bands in Brazil, eventually... So is this Brazilian system similar to the American like banding system? Thank God, um, in this in this uh, sense, I actually went to an international school in Brazil. Ah, okay. My parents wanted me to speak Portuguese and okay. English. Okay. And so we had a sort of American band system okay. in this little international gotcha. school. Gotcha. And so that really helped me keep in touch with the American. Do you think you picked up any bad habits in flute playing from the band system? I hear horror stories about it, man. Oh yeah. Oh, Facebook yeah. flute forum is full of stories about oh. that about people holding flutes at like perfect right angles. Actually, and this right here. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to put my my. Oh, elbow did you? Yeah, I, I still do that a little bit though, man. It's, yeah, it feels good. It feels but we're good. good enough to do that now. Fuck it, <laughs> man. I love the fact as well when we're not talking. I don't know if the microphones are going to pick up Stevie Nicks in the background here playing, <laughs> but this is a good moment actually just to quickly explain where we are. That's a really good idea. I think, yeah, I my Instagram and my social media accounts know I'm in Paris and I'm recording Paris flute players, but they're probably wondering, well, why is he? in an Irish pub drinking a pint of Guinness in Paris. Exactly. Why is he not getting a nice Van Rouge and <laughs> living things up? But we are in, I would say, I would honestly, I think this is my favorite place on earth. I think when I go to heaven, I, well, I'm not going to heaven, let's be honest. I'm no, going, Gary, I'm don't going say down. that, don't say I'm that. I'm going down, I'm going to be down. <laughs> no, 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 I'm LBB. But <laughs> when I, if I were going to heaven, I think I'd walk in here. If it wasn't for calling old women witches, I think you'd, you, you would be <laughs> going to heaven. <laughs> Man, they're all waiting for me down there as well. Man, no one's safe from this podcast. But yeah, so this is the Galway Irish pub, which yep. I don't know if the, the camera won't pick it up, but Notre Dame is there. It's right. Like we're looking at it. Maybe later. Well, we can... we're sort of looking at it because there's a Welsh flag in the way. But so Let's I see. discovered this look. pub. Let me see. If, let me see. Is the camera it? If not, we can we can computer the add it. No. I can put some green screen in and we'll get it later. We'll get it in post. We'll get it in <laughs> Man, post. the amount of times I've said in this podcast, oh, we'll get it in post. I don't do fuck all in post. <laughs> we get nothing in post. I man. hope you do something in post. Otherwise, I'm in big trouble. Yeah, well, I can do small things. I'm, I'm not obviously saying the podcast, but some guests have requests I remove things. And I've deleted entire episodes of my own podcast. No way. And re-recorded them because I'm like, man, you can't say that. <laughs> I mean, the Daphnis episode for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But anyway, Notre Dame is Notre there. Dame. So I discovered this pub when I was studying here. I think... I came here to watch a Northern Ireland football match and it was the only place that was showing it and yeah. I just fell in love with the place because it's kind of a... I wouldn't say expats drink here. But yeah, expats in the sense there's a lot of English, Irish, Americans yeah. drink here. Anyone's yeah. not French, essentially. Actually, yeah. But it's all young people who have came to study yep. and there's been a real crowd around here. And then when I met you in your year, we came here quite a few times. Yeah. More than quite a few times. <laughs> I between, think the first time... Do you remember your the, first time here? Uh, what was my first time here? I was think it Rocky it was, Horror? It was after Rocky Horror. Yeah. yeah. Oh. It was after Rocky Horror picture, so... Man, let's tell that story. The, the live one. Okay, go for it. Go for yeah. it. There's a. Were you a fan of Rocky Horror before the Rocky Horror? No, picture you're show? the one who got me onto it. Was it? No, oh, man, I fucking love the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I can't associate a... Halloween with anything else oh. these days. There's a there's a studio around here called Studio Galand, and they do a live version of Rocky Horror with the screen in the background. If you've ever seen Perks of Being a Wallflower, it's that kind of style. They do yep. that in Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yep. But anyway, they have it live in the background, but they've been doing it every single weekend for something like forty years. Something ridiculous. They've never stopped. The only time they ever didn't put a show on was during Corona. That was the first time they didn't do it. So they do it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every week. Just around the corner. You can go watch it. It's a couple of year win. I think the time we went, 
I had my clothes removed on stage. <laughs> you, you did. Oh, you. Oh my God, you're uncovering things for me. Yeah. So you had your your clothes taken off on stage, and I was picked up by the legs. You were. You got. Oh, while yeah. I was in the audience. Yeah. Frankenfurter uh, got and, you good. I think I have a video with that. I'll, I'll task that video here. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> in the middle. But yeah, then we came here afterwards. This pub's open the God only exactly. knows what time in the morning, and yeah. it's a very serendipitous thing that I can do a podcast really in here. Is. It's a lovely moment for me to come back here. No, so, me too. Yeah, I'm me drinking too. in an Irish pub here and doing, yeah. I mean, we would just dance the night away, if I remember correctly. And to be honest, after every, like, every concours or every big exam, straight here. Yeah. Man, the amount of, the amount of times I've got the results for my concours <laughs> while sitting in this pub is ridiculous. I've sat here and been like, someone just fucking text me. <laughs> but you remember the Condor Man, they used to put, like, the results up on the board. Oh, yeah. So they printed it off. For everyone and they to put see. it up. Yeah. I hate it. I'm like, email me it. It's I mean, listen, fucking if, French, if, if you're going to do your lessons in front of everyone, you might as well have your yeah. results in front of everyone. But man, it means you had to wait at the Econder Band for yeah. hours. I never did. I played and I came straight here and I was like, someone send me a picture. <laughs> and if I've got through or if I've won, won, uh, happy days, I'll have you? another pint. And if I didn't get through, I'll have another pint. Happy days, I'll have another pint. <laughs> so it all won, won. Yeah. Good for you. Right, what are we going to get? Oh yeah, Paris Gaulle, why use the Econder Man? The list we've got of things here is so fucking funny. But actually, let's go back to you. Right, so... Uh, Let's go into this because I want to put in this thread further. Yeah. Brazil, you went to America. Who did you study with in America? It's Thomas Robertello. Right. I'm Thomas a big Robertello. fan as well. Of Thomas really? Robertello. Yes. You know him. Well, I knew him a bit. He had the Teleman recordings. Oh my God. The which Teleman I voice. loved. So the Teleman recordings, uh, if I can say anything about it, are the most wild, mm. just... They are insane. I remember when, when I was studying with him, somebody mentioned something along the lines of, um, well, you know, you're not very much playing it according to historical style. And he said... They're my fantasies. Yeah. They're my fantasies. And so I remember walking in the historical department one day and I actually heard professors from the historical department being like, did you hear his Telemann fantasies? Scandal. I know. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was it was horrid, but I couldn't stop listening to it. <laughs> well, um, that's the reaction you want. That's what you want. That's exactly what you want. I love those recordings. I love them. And, uh, you know. I what was he like to study with? <sighs> Very particular. Yeah, I I have so much love for that man. You've always spoke very highly of him, to be fair. Well, because I I was able to you know get a lot out of it. Yeah, he accepted me into his studio um, when he had no business really accepting me because I really wasn't um, I, I had a good level. Mm-hmm. But I remember I played a beatbox cadenza for my Mozart concerto in my audition. What? A beatbox cadenza in a Mozart concerto. I wrote a Whose cadenza. Whose idea? You wrote it. I thought I, because I had no. I had is this no... again from the? Is this from Greg Patello's videos? Is this? Well, I, I was influenced by it when I was a teenager, and yeah. I thought this is a very good idea. <laughs> I legitimately thought it was a good idea, so I wrote my little cadenza. I added the beatbox where it was appropriate. Where is and... it appropriate <laughs> in a Mozart cadenza? <laughs> We're not talking about that right now. Man, please, please, please tell me you've kept the manuscript for that. It might be somewhere. Oh my god, I would love to hear that. Fair play. Fair that play. is fucking cool. I cannot believe you played a beatbox get in the Mozart. Well, I, I had my ideas. I, I played it and somehow I got in. Well, it shows balls and it shows artistic integrity. Well, it shows something. I'm not sure what it was. <laughs> but I had a great time and he was someone that really knew how to push me. He pushed okay. me and he was very, very particular as a teacher. Yeah. It was really kind of a, a make it or break it kind of thing. Yeah, and a yeah. lot of people didn't enjoy it. Yeah. But the people who did enjoy it um, have careers now yeah. and they're, they're all having a great time so what did he do to, to push you does he know how to push your buttons does he know how to motivate you is that more because I think that's a big part of a great teacher I, yeah. honestly I think after a certain level it's the biggest part of a teacher is providing the right motivation and the right space for a student to grow well his big thing was um, 
he would always mention the fact that not the fact, but he would always say that he wasn't talented, okay. but he had worked yeah. so hard that he had an exercise for everything. Ah. And I also wasn't very talented on yeah. the flute, so I had to make up for lost time. Mm. And so he was the guy to go for if you had to make up for lost time ah, and, directly and build your yeah. yeah. And you read a lot of exercises as well. You were mad for writing an exercise. For what? Like writing exercises. You're a good man for writing them. I, I, I love I, I love the, the sort of... Um, I got that. I got that in our notes. Actually, your I don't know. your kind of practice strategy and all the things you do because we've we've talked about this before in this pub probably, <laughs> but yeah. I don't. No, I I, I really like I really like the work of helping. At least now that I'm teaching more, yeah. helping students get on the path. Yeah, but you're really good at thinking yeah. outside the box. To be fair, because I remember in the Economy there was a few times where it was really hard to get practice rooms and we practiced together sometimes you remember like you would get like I think me you and Denise as well yeah me sometimes you and Denise sometimes practice were like in a tiny room three of us would just go to different corners and just practice you were <laughs> which a, was a good idea you're uncovering so many things for me right now but um, you always had really co- like I remember you used to use the drones a lot you the were drones, a big fan of using that I love the drones I, yeah. loved, I, I used to put um, lo-fi music like to play along with, to or play along to with, just to sort of use as a metronome. That was the thing. Yeah, I used to see, do I loved. I remember you did that. Where I think that that's become quite a common thing, where people would use certain songs as a metronome. Yeah. So they get the read of. Yeah, uh, you can Google uh, not Google. You can Spotify that as well to find like songs at 120 BPM. Exactly. And you can just practice along with them. Oh yeah, no. Play uh, Mozart, Mozart concerto for BG staying alive. Man, fuck me, that's class. <laughs> that's 120. That is it. I hope. Otherwise, I, I might be speaking shit. <laughs> I no, know. I think it is because the Eber concerto, I think, is written 120 as well, isn't it? The first movement of the Eber. Fuck if I know. Yeah, it is. It's about the same thing. Let's use it. Let's roll with it. Let's roll with it. Let's roll with it. Fucking good one, man. I'm gonna do that tonight. Well, I'm not gonna do that tonight. I'm gonna get drunk tonight, but I'll do it next week when I'm back. Okay, so you're with Thomas Robertello, great guy. Great, great, great experience for me. He really took me under his wing, and then after that. Yeah, where I does remember, Jean come into the equation? Jean comes into the equation where I asked him, what should I do for summer festivals? And he said, there's one person that you should study with for the summer, and that's Jean Ferrandis. Yeah. And I remember he called them an actual genius. And I, I, I never totally heard the word genius being associated with flute. And then I was like, okay, let's try that. Ooh, and off the first, the first summer festival I did with him in the French Alps, I was just... And to be fair, doing a summer class in the French Alps, not bad either. Not like, bad. Not bad. You went to the, did you do the, is it Teen? Teen is that where it is? Teen, is that where exactly, John yeah. did as well? That's where he did Magda it. Magda used to teach that as well. She did. I, I, I went to I think one he of the told me. I think she had told me she'd give you a lift or something once, did she? Yeah, or, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's so funny, man. Well, yeah. The first thing I think, I, I, the big thing I did when I came to Paris was just be very annoying to every single teacher. Oh, yeah, Paris. same, same. And so I would sit in all, all of Magda's lessons. Yeah. I would sit in, uh, Fleet Bernold got quite annoyed at me at one point. Uh, <laughs> I went to Philippe Bernal's classes way too many times, man. He really got sick of me being there. It got to the point when he was like, ah, Do you, you, study you again, you again. <laughs> Who are you? Yeah, because obviously in the CNSM, we weren't students of it. But I used to just knock the door and hope I would get in. And to be fair, Philippe was always really nice. He was very nice. He let nice. you he in, no problems nice. at all. Yeah. I love that about the French system. Obviously, the episode I just did that came out last week, sorry, for you guys, it came out three weeks ago, but on the French flute school, that unlocked a lot of memories for me as well. Yeah. Because I'd sort of forgotten about the class system and how difficult I found it at first. Well, you learn so much by just going to... Are you a fan of it? You like the, the open I, class system? I love the open class yeah. system. It's, it's a Do huge you thing always love it or just sometimes it's a bit of a pain in the ass? I admit that sometimes, and, let's, and I'm going to speak of a very specific situation here. I remember when I was having just a bad week. I was having a bad week. Everything wasn't going right and whatever. Yeah. And I said, okay, I'm just going to get through my lesson today. And I remember that there was 
two people who came to my lesson, and it was um, who was it? It was Irina Stachinskaya. Oh fuck. Man. Who I like adore. I think oh, she's. Oh yeah, I worship Irina. <laughs> she is unbelievable. She's as close as uh, rock star as it gets. Yeah. But she came, and somebody else came. Uh, one of Jean's old students, and I was just. <laughs> Man, I'd be like, no, you know what? Fuck this. <laughs> I was just yeah. I want your opinion on the French flute school. So, I want that. Th- what does it mean to you? What do you think of now that you've been here for a long time? When you say the French flute school, what does it mean to you? I think the French flute school was very much a thing. In the sense of in a pedagogical sense, mm-hmm. right? It was definitely a thing in the sense yeah. of like you know the technology meeting the people at just the right time. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. just a huge thing. Yeah. And there were certain priorities that were put in place. Um, and a lot of people, I think, nowadays, they like to say that it's globalized and that it doesn't exist as much. Yeah. And I really don't see that. I, I, I can I Because I think there's a new French school. See, I agree there's as well, There's all these yeah. people, like, um, uh, I don't know, Yubin Kim, Hélène oh, uh, yeah. Boulogne, uh, Sebastien Jacot, and I... I Jassot. Def- defi- Jassot, sorry, <laughs> Sebastien Jassot. I define it as the people who grew up listening to Paoud. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no. And I think it's, it's the people who grew up listening to Paoud who realize that Style is more important than sound. Totally. And that y- the, the, your personal choices are Thank as important. Fuck, man. I, I couldn't agree more. But thank you for saying that. Yeah. No, t- cheers to that. But I would agree, yeah. Well, Stanchi, here's the French, it's good. Um, no, but I totally agree with you. I think it's a pedagogical thing. And I think for me, the French flute school has now just became the, it's the innovation of the French flute school. It's the, sh- it's the, the search for excellence all the time. No. That's the inherent quality. It's not a certain style. The style changes over time, yes, but, but it's, it's great teaching and just being innovative and perfect. <laughs> innovative and perfect is a, is a tough yeah. uh, tightrope. But I remember, at least for me, I remember thinking to myself that um, when I discovered this tradition of like the, 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 what do you call it, the assistant teacher, Man, this, is something that, this is something that fascinated me for, for a long time when I realized that a big part of the French flute school was this idea of having your principal teacher yeah. and the assistant teacher. Yeah. So, for example, with uh, Sophie Charrier, yeah, she's guiding their, her students through whatever yeah. you know um, artistic uh, route she's taking, and then Vincent Luca is yeah. right there taking yeah. care of the etudes, the scales, the sound. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, to have I thought it was a incredible. Team of teachers where you sort exactly. of double up. Jean, did he use Irina as his assistant so for he, a while? I had Irina as an assistant for a while. And then after um, one or two years, I said, I said to myself, I really want to craft my own curriculum. Yeah. And so I, Jean was my principal teacher, and yeah. I would go to Vincent Luca yeah. privately yeah. Yeah. just to keep up the etudes and the scales yeah. and the sort of like flute, um, what do you call it, the flute. Yes, yeah, uh, so you take inspiration from the idea that that exists, and you can use that for exactly. yourself. I did exactly I had, the same thing. I had no interest in, in going to CNSM or getting another degree. I just wanted the... the yeah. The knowledge. Yeah. yeah. I did exactly the same thing. To be fair, because I had Catherine at the Economy Man, and then I went to the magazine on the side. Amazing. But I had the opposite effect. I feel like Catherine was the, the etudes, the technique. I was, gonna, I was about to say. And Magdalene was just, to be honest, for my own pleasure. Because I loved going to the lesson. She gave me motivation. She, she's incredible. Oh, she's just incredible. Man. I remember just... I'm going to do my best get her on this podcast this week. Magali. She, she doesn't watch. She doesn't watch, man. <laughs> she's too busy a woman, man. That's the only problem with her. She's too fucking busy. Um, so yeah, French Food School. You did that. We studied together. You got your diploma de concertiste. Yes. Uh, so that, that, yeah, that was a big thing. Um, that was a big thing, man. That was a big thing. Um, I remember arriving to Paris, and my first year, I played my di- uh, concours for diploma d'exécution. Yeah. And I played it flawless. Yeah. It was great. Notes and tune and time, everything, and I didn't pass. I remember that year. I remember and being I- with you that year because I remember you had I think we were going to go out that night we had sort of agreed we'll go out in the piss exactly. and then you were like I don't want to go out and no. then you did eventually come out 
But I remember how devastated you were. And to be fair, I do remember you playing in that. And I remember thinking, there's no fucking way he hasn't passed this one. There is no way. It was a great reality check because after the, the concours, yeah. I went to the jury and they were all very helpful. In that I was like, they, they said it just wasn't enough to be in tune and in time and play all the notes. Yeah. You had no stage presence. You, you, the phrasing wasn't there. The style wasn't yeah. there. And that opened my mind to all of this stuff. The idea that, you know. You have to be a performer as you well. You actually have to. An artist. Well, and you have to give a shit about the music. Yeah, yeah. Can you believe that? That's crazy, yeah, right? Well, like, <laughs> but I do feel like the, yeah, the, certainly the British education system for this, yeah. it is more about playing in tune, playing in time, playing well, but they're not, I don't feel like the artistry is as important. Mm. It's second fiddle. Well, and in France, it nearly seems more important. Well, I think it, I think the, the good playing might be just minimum, right? It's yeah. minimum yeah. and then... Yeah, there's a minimum bar you have to get over with the technique. Yeah. But yeah. after that, the artistry is so important in France, man. You have to be French about it. It's tough. It's tough. And I remember also when I came to France, I, I got shit on so much by so many teachers for my sound. Really? Oh, yeah. Too American? Is that what they thought? Believe it or not, without even hearing me speak, they were like, did you study in America? Ah, man. And I was like, no, there's no way. Man. There's no way. Yeah. And that's when I realized that the school still exists. Yeah. And it's not necessarily like what people think. It's not like, <laughs> oh, you use too man. much vibrato or, yeah. oh, you, I don't know, whatever it is. Hey. Hi. <laughs> it's really the, the stylistic choices you make. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it was tough. It was tough. It took me... It was a really tough two years. Do you think you're... Did you totally redevelop your sound in France? Completely. Yeah? Completely. Completely. Um, Before I know this, because I've listened to you play over the years, so I know how much your yeah. sound has changed, but yeah. what was the reason behind that? Did you make a conscious decision, I'm going to change my sound entirely? Completely. Because that's building from the bottom up. You have to change your entire yeah. fundamental I have to change a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, I cut out vibrato for maybe like a, a year. And Fuck I, me. Yeah. Man, I still think there's nothing harder than playing without vibrato. It's very hard, and but I, I, but I use a shit ton of it nowadays. Sorry, I, yeah. I don't mean to. to you know, let's swear on this podcast. Okay, okay. We don't swear on this podcast. I fucking dare you. <laughs> you know, it was it was a tough time, and so I, I, I did a lot to sort of build my playing from the ground up, and um, uh, it involved cutting vibrato and it involved singing a lot, and that's the oh, one you're thing. You're a big man for that, yeah. I'm a huge man for that, and yeah. the only thing that all of my three teachers in France had in common because they were all so different and that would be Jean Ferrandis, yeah. Magali Monnier yeah. and Vincent Luca. Yeah. All of them said you'd be, you should be singing as yeah. much as you're playing. I've heard that a That's lot as well, as yeah. That must be a French thing because Catherine said that a lot but then obviously she was principal through the opera so she obviously heard yeah. great singers every fucking week yeah. but her whole thing was like if you were, I remember once a student had asked like recordings to listen to for the Mozart concertos Ooh. and she was like don't listen to Mozart flute concertos go listen to so and so sing Mozart. That's Go good. and listen to an opera. Don't give a fuck about recordings of that. That's good. Um, and Magali was the same because my ex-girlfriend was a singer as well. Oh. And it used to drive Magali insane. She's like, Go and get lessons with her. And I'm like, Maggie, we've got other things to be doing here. I'm not going to get my girlfriend to give me singing lessons. But she, it drove her mad. She's like, You've got an opera singer in your house all the time and you're not. I was like, No, because I play the flute. I don't want to sing. Yeah. To this day, I still can't fucking sing. You can sing. You're a good I singer. I can't sing. Well, there's, there's a, something to be said for developing your own private singing. Right, like the singing that you do in your practice room. Yeah, okay. And I really think that it's an anchor that pulls your technique up with it. Okay. And, and th this was a big thing that about Vincent Luca. He used to always say like, um, you can only play as well as you sing. I, I and I was like, what? There's yeah. no way. Because I sing shite, man. I'm a shite singer. Well, but you don't have to sing well. It can be just like, I don't know, what's a, what's a great piece? I don't know. What's a piece? A piece for the flute? A piece for the flute. Give me an example. Uh, what about the slow movement from the Mozart concerto? Great, let's do that. Yeah. If you sing, if you play 
in a way that's very sort of note, 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 note. Yeah. And then you ask the student to sing. They're going to yeah. go. Very true, yeah. They're going to breathe in a way that yeah. how they play. The, it's all connected. To be fair, I totally get that. Yeah, if you can sing it with a beautiful thing. One exercise, I don't know if you've ever done this. I used to do this all the time because, yeah, my ex-girlfriend was a singer. So she used to pick up on all these studies. Um, she would get a glass of water and put a straw in it and then hum the tune and try to keep the bubbles at the same level. Oh. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, it, it, yeah, you can see it then as well. You can show the breath in the air. But obviously, if the bubbles stop, you can see where you've cut your air very clearly. You can that see where you've good. cut a phrase because the bubbles have fucked off. That is so good. The bubbles have stopped. The bubbles have fucked off, man. Normally when I have guests in this podcast, I don't swear as much. But are, you, are, you, are you sure? With guests, I don't. Okay, okay, fair play. With Gary Shocker, I think I let a few ones slip in. but That was a good one. It wasn't too bad. That was that fun, was man. One. Gary Shocker's a great man. Have you ever met Gary? I took a few lessons from Gary. Seriously? Actually, when I was in high school and I was preparing for um, auditions for college, I took a few lessons with him. He put um, wine corks in between my fingers. <laughs> and um, he, did, he, he made me do a bunch of interesting things. That, that seems like a reason just to save up wine corks. <laughs> that seems like a reason to drink lots of wine. Like, no, 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 it's for my students. <laughs> I remember when Philippe Bernold asked Gary Shocker to come give a masterclass at the Paris Conservatory. Oh, man, I will never forget this. And Gary Shocker, Shocker just shows up in his five-toe shoes. I, man, that is exactly what I was just about to say. And he's the ma- French were horrified. They're horrified. <laughs> horrified. Yeah, when was that? That must have been like six... 2019, I think. Okay. Because I remember... Because he came to the Condor Man for a while as well, didn't he? I never remember. I, I, no, I, I he, they go to a class or something. But anyway, he came to the CNSM and I remember doing the masterclass and just turning up with those like yeah the five finger like shoes where the toes are like individually separated and the French were horrified <laughs> they were fucking horrified the minute he walked on stage he was like no we're not listening to this American <laughs> well, but, and I remember that um, the students started getting a little bit uh, you know a little bit feeling yeah. weird about it yeah, and immediately Bernard was like no no everyone listen yeah. listen to this because you know it forces them to get out of the bubble yeah right? and also like Gary Shocker to be fair he's one of those flute players that you can disagree with his style, maybe if you want, but as a flute player, technically, and the sound he makes, it's, it's objectively incredible. And it's objectively him. Yeah. It's like agree with it, disagree with it, but you have to respect that it's him. Yeah. And there's, I think that's that. I that's my well. sort of um, that's how I, I know I respect a flute player. Yeah. That I really enjoy a flute player. Yeah. You know, because I might disagree with everything you do, but oh, I often do, yeah. But um, yeah, I used oh, to say that all the time about Galway. Obviously, I'm a big fan of Galway, but huge I always fan say of Galway. if I could play like Jimmy Galway, I wouldn't. I would love but to I be, can't play like I would him. love to be able to. Yeah, I, if I could do yeah. that, yeah. I wouldn't play the way he does. But I can't do it because of Jimmy Fung Galway. Um, so anyway, you got your Dublin Conchatis, you left the Economy Miles. What's been the crack since? What have you been up to? The crack since is that I spent about uh, two years um, teaching at conservatories. Yeah. And um, These are the local conservatories One was municipal. Well, I did the, munici- the arrondissement ones yeah. too. I did the uh, Jacques Hibert. I t- Oh, I used to go to the Jackie Bell one. That's a good one, yeah. <laughs> I used to live beside that, actually. Really? Yeah. So I did Jackie Bear for a little bit. Um, I taught for as a sabbatical interim teacher yeah. at uh, Jean-Baptiste Lully. Oh, the Lully one, a yeah. gorgeous yeah. establishment. Uh, I was at Provins for two years. Oh, Normandy. Right. Oh, we did teach Normandy, Normandy as well. I was Normandy at Gisors, and it was just too much. It was yeah. too much stuff, and I realized that that wasn't, the, uh, that wasn't the dream. Yeah. And so I kind of planned my exit for about yeah. a year. And how's it going? I, I quit all my jobs in uh, in October, I love that, in man. August. I fucking love that. So you're just Co- going completely freelance into the deep end for the freelance into performing. the deep end freelance performing. Man, what's the worst that's going to happen? Why not do it? But I feel like you're doing really well in the sense that you're building your own brand, your own idea. You've got your own ensemble. You're not trying to fit into the systems necessarily that are there. You just go fuck it. I'll make my own. 
and the well, stuff. I think you can relate to this, right? Yeah. Because I think that um, what you've done, which is very, very admirable, is just say, like, I'm going to be myself 100%. Yeah. And it's obviously working out for you. Well, or at least you found it's something. Getting there, yeah, it's getting, it's getting there. It's getting there. I, I think you'll be top podcast yeah. by the end of the year. Fucking fingers crossed. Of all podcasts. Of all podcasts. Joe before. Rogan can go fuck Joe- himself. <laughs> Man, Joe Rogan, I'm coming for you. <laughs> you heard it here first. But yeah, there is something to be said. Of, like, I've talked about this so many times in the podcast, but in the classical music industry at the minute, there's not... It's, it is, I wouldn't say it's dying, but it's not adapting. And there is such a potential, which other genres are doing, where you just make your shit for your audience and you go directly to them. You don't need to worry well, about doing Or not even for your audience, you do it for yourself. Like you do well, the, yeah. the projects that you would like to, yeah. which is, I think is what you're doing, right? Yeah, and then you get an audience that react with it and you just go to them, you yeah. sell to them, you work with them, you go, exactly. fuck everyone else, we'll go directly here, we'll build this up, and that's <laughs> it. But it's things like that's what you're doing with Ensemble Imago. Imago, um, I remember before, so my exit strategy was very well planned out. Yeah. Um, and I was inspired by um, actually a friend of mine, uh, Sridhar Bhagavathula. Who uh-huh. was also a Baroque flute player? Yeah, he sent me the Rampal biography. I don't know if you've read yeah. it, autobiography. I it's have called a while like ago, Music yeah. My Love or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he speaks step by step about how he built his own solo career. Yeah, and how he went from like small cities outside of Paris and doing concerts and contacting the local agency news and building his own solo career. Yeah. And after I read that, I was like, okay, we we if can it's do good it. Good enough for him. Let's it's try good it out for us. Yeah. So I tried it out. I. I um, saved enough money so that I could survive yeah, the yeah, yeah. problem, quit all my teaching jobs. I, I called all of my contacts and I said, the people that I play with, the yeah. harpist, the pianist, uh, yeah. everyone. And I said, listen, I'm going solo. We're going to... Do you want to do this together? Yeah, let's gig. Let's go. What's so. in there? Have you got any gigs planned? Anything yeah. coming up soon? Uh, in two weeks, I'm playing uh, with uh, my harpist friend, Oksana. Yeah. We're doing a big concert, uh, flute and harp, in uh, the 14th arrondissement at yeah. uh, Les Nocturnes de l'Aube. Okay. Is that a festival or like a... It's a chamber music series. Oh, nice. It's a nice okay. little play. What are you going to play? We're going to play uh, Yuko Ibayashi, Sonata so, oh, for Flute You've played harp. that a few times, haven't you? Yeah. A few times. That's it's, a good it's, one. A, it's a bitch of a piece, but it's that's, amazing. That's another piece as well. That's a amazing real hidden piece. gem in the really, repertoire. Yeah. 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 Incredible music. And we're doing a bunch of other stuff as well. Um, Rico and I, uh, for Imago, we're playing Petit Palais ah, on April 14th. Wow, holy so, shit. All Russian programs. As in Le Petit Palais beside the Grand Palais? Exactly. That one holy is shit, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. an iconic venue. So in Paris, there's yeah. two. Are they museums? Yeah. They're they museums, museums but now? they both have, I think, uh, concert halls yeah. attached to them. So I think they used to be palaces, and then they've converted to museums exactly. now. But they're across the road from each other. So you have the Grand Palais, which is obviously the bigger one, and then the Petit Palais, which exactly. isn't fucking Petit it's either. Not petit. It's <laughs> like not Petit. Like the Grand Palais grand as fuck, and the Petit one's like, come in, come in, grand. Yeah, exactly. Why are we not speaking French? But I spoke a bit of French in the last episode, and a couple of people said they were panicking as fuck. It's like you introduced the episode in French, but like, we can't speak French. <laughs> the very smooth transition we would have had in this podcast episode where the pints are suddenly filled. Um, going to the list, there's two things I have to talk about. Yeah. One, being on tour in China, in Wuhan, when COVID began. I totally fucking forgot this happened to you. Tell me about this. So I, I auditioned for this orchestra uh, called Orchestre Chambre Nouvelle Europe in 2018-19. Yeah. And then, you know, one of the first gigs I had with them was going on tour in China. Yeah. <laughs> And surely enough, we did <laughs> Beijing, we did Shanghai, Tianjin, uh, Shenzhen, and the last spot on the on the tour was this little city that not not a little city actually, <laughs> huge city that we I had never heard about called Wuhan. Yeah, <laughs> which and is yeah, it's known for something else now, isn't it? <laughs> throughout the trip, throughout the trip, we had been hearing things about like, oh, there's something going on, <laughs> there's, something's Man. not right, people are getting sick, and so we called the French embassy in Wuhan, yeah, who are the ones sponsoring the grand opening of this big hall. Okay. 
and we're like, listen, we're, the musicians are all kind of worried. You know, half of us are kind of coughing a little bit. No one. Like, what time of year is this? This, this is uh, January. Early oh, January. Fuck. Okay. We, we got there January first. We were in Wuhan on January oh, this 9th. Is peak, then. It's this is really, right yeah. before we yeah. knew what it was. And so we call the embassy and they say, Ah, bah non, t'inquiète, c'est juste un petit rhume. <laughs> it's just a little cold. It's not a problem. It's just go, play, play, play. And surely enough, during the concert, we had like five people in the violin section just coughing their lungs oh, out. Oh, man. And was, it, was there a big audience or were people starting to get scared huge. at this point? Oh, oh no, no, it was fun. huge. It was massive. And obviously no masks or anything at this no, point? No, no, nothing. And a week after we got back to Paris, they closed down Wuhan. They shut it off completely. Man, thank God you got out when you did. Yeah. That is an incredible story. It's actually quite a good story, at least. I, I'm assuming... Sorry, touch wood. Did everyone survive, did they? Yeah, everyone okay, survived. Everyone grand. survived. Everyone survived. Grand, we're good. <laughs> then we can talk about that. And the other thing I want to ask you about, man, is also a really funny story, is uh, Can You Feel the Love Tonight can by you James feel- Galway. Yep. Can we talk about that recording? We can talk about that recording. Do you remember the first time you both realised that there was one of our favourite recordings? <sighs> I think we might have been at the Galway. No, was it, it was out... Where was it? It was Nuit Blanche. You know, Nuit Blanche in Paris? At the Philharmonie. Like yeah. yeah, I think that's what we, what we bonded over yeah. the first time. So we right. met to go, because Nuit Blanche, for people who don't know, is it's a night in Paris where all the museums are open throughout the night. Yep. And there's concerts like throughout the night. So yep. like 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning. It's usually all free. It's a big cultural yep. event. I think we had all went out with some of the Economy ones intending to go to the Philharmonie for some like organ concert. We were supposed to go to the concert. And then we had too much wine and forgot about it and sat, <laughs> sat in the sand and drank at 2 o'clock in the morning. And then I got my first taco. But anyway... That night, I think we were talking about Jimmy Galway, and you had mentioned "Can You Feel the Love Tonight," and I never forget sitting in front of the scene. You play it in your phone, and me go, "Man, that is fucking great." If if anyone hasn't heard about this yet, James Galway, he recorded a Disney album, I think, and in that album, he plays "Can You Feel the Love Tonight," which oh, at first think you think album, yeah. it might not be a Disney album. Oh, greatest hits or I think, something. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. And at one point, you think, okay, that's just going to be a standard, you know, playing the yeah. melody. But at Which some point, start off it does start off there, and it's it's gorgeous, it's yeah. beautiful, it's James Galway. But at one point, everything just switches, and he just starts <laughs> playing cascading virtuoso yeah. passages, and it's just lush and gorgeous. It's like, fucking is, great. I wasn't, I didn't think this was possible, and I remember um, a few years ago, I I picked <laughs> I picked him up at the Garde de Lyon oh, yeah, when he was giving them the for right the master class. I picked him up, and as we were walking, I, I mentioned, hey, you know, Jimmy, can I call you Jimmy? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. And Sir Jimmy, I like Sir, Sir Jimmy, and I said, I mean, I love your recording of Can You Feel the Love Tonight? And I remember him looking so confused. Because <laughs> of all the like, recordings he's done, that the one's probably slipped by in his memory. Like, that's one of the least significant. Did he remember it in the end? Did he say, like, oh, yeah? Or he just hadn't got a fucking I think through. he was just confused. Man, as to why he's probably changed our lives forever. He doesn't even remember. Do you know I had a student the other week? A friend, I have a French student in Cologne. Um... And she had said to me, like, I always like let my students pick a fun piece of music to yeah. work towards as like a medium term goal. Like, oh yeah, in three months we're going to do whatever piece you want. I'll make the music for you. And she went, I, I found this recording of Can You Feel the Love Tonight, but it's on flute. And I was like, oh, who's the band? She went, James Galway. And I was like, man, you found the best. This thing is you it. I just only like fourteen. And I was like, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you for continuing this circle. I would love it's to do that one, with right? you, man. Oh, that's a good recording. I oh. really love the recording. Yeah, so we bonded over that massively. Mm. We used to, do you remember we used to have those games as well? I think I did oh one God. of these podcasts where me and you and Denise, our other friend, we used to drink before we came here and then do the guest, the flute player game. Man, we were such losers. I loved it. Oh, no, I think, I think, <laughs> I think we were winners. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, to be fair, I think, yeah. I think we spent just, we got trashed at the Galway and then just spent two hours playing recordings and saying, like, who do you think this is? Yeah, that was great, man. I love I, that. That's one thing. You played that with um, Cosio, right? Yeah, I did yeah. it with Juan. It was so much fun. That's where I got the inspiration for because we did it so much. Um, 
it's normally as a general rule of thumb when I'm studying in conservatoires I don't like to hang out with musicians outside conservatoire I want to go and like talk about other things and different hobbies Absolutely. but the one exception was hanging out with you and Denise because right. it was fun we could do drinking games and then try and guess if it's Jimmy Galway or Manuel Bau Listen, I think it's a big part of being. Which is actually, it was a hard game as well. Yeah. It's not as easy as you think because uh, the the wild card is Emmanuel Paud. He is because you never know it's Paud because he doesn't really. Okay, he does have a distinctive sound, but it's not really that. It's, but it's, it's distinctive. Strength. His music is distinctive in, in that it's it's the music. Yeah, it's, it's always cor- it's always perfect. Yeah, that's the thing. And yeah. sometimes you think, is this someone else? Whatever. Um, yeah, you'd said here actually something about this as well. Um, why don't we teach the way Paud plays? Oh, that's such a good thing to yeah. think about. I've never considered that before. I think I mean I think we can all agree that Paud is at the intercept of like being a great musician, a great flute yeah. player, being a great artist. He's at the top when it comes to yeah. doing all of those things totally at once. Agree, yeah. And yet we're all I mean at least pedagogically people are very scared about touching going close to that. And it's strange, doesn't it? Yeah. Because I mean when you get close to him there's a lot of air. Yeah. There's a lot of air. It's it's oh man. Yeah, because I've seen him so, play live and I've been quite close to the front row sometimes. It is unbelievable. Yeah. Like, and, and so, the amount of sound he makes. I think when I was growing up, I didn't really appreciate Bowie as much because I only had no. recordings. When you see him live, oh my Insane. fucking God. And he's only volume. getting better with age. Oh man, he's, he's like only a fine getting better wine. Amazing. I came here last year, I saw him do the Elliot Carter concerto. Mm. Were you here for that? I was there with you. Yeah, man. yeah. I met him for a pint after. I, no, I had a mojito with him afterwards, actually. Oh my God. Me and Emmanuel Bowie having a mojito with Magni Munia and Matilde Cadeni. Just, just four lads shooting this. Well, two lads and two guys just shooting the shit, man. That's good. Just talking, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think I've ever had a teacher who would recommend a Bowie recording as one of the recordings to go to. Maybe for like style, but it's it's really tough to sort of approach that pedagogy because there is no pedagogy. He's the guy who's avoided teaching all this. Yeah, life. exactly. Right. Which is so weird as well. Master classes, yeah, but never like he's never. never had, I've never heard of anyone going privately to Bowie for an extended period of time. I haven't either. I'm sure they're uh, out there, but there probably is a few. Yeah, I'm sure no. he takes exceptions, but he doesn't teach properly. No, no. man, what a life it is. Yeah, yeah I don't know why then. Um, I think it's risky. I think it's just risky. Do you reckon that's what it is? Yeah, I think it's, it's too I mean, unique. It's too. I mean, as far as flute players, I mean, uh, the you can issue maybe break your flute pen if you tried to copy by you if you weren't careful. You might, you might break a lot of things. <laughs> I think that flute playing wise, we have, there's such a fetish for sound, and he could give there less is. of a shit. I mean, he has an amazing sound. But that's not of the course. priority, right? But it's that's, not, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, to be fair, be very careful the way I say this. Everyone knows I adore Manuel Bu, but I don't listen to the sound and go, that is a gorgeous sound. No, because, pairs, I do think but that his of. music is gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, no, he's by is far he, the best. If I'm going to get a recording, I will always automatically go to Bu. Yeah. That's like the gold standard, because you know it's going to be really elegant, really nuanced, considered. Oh, yeah. It's going to respect the standard form. Yeah. It's always perfect. Yeah. But in terms of pure sound, oh, no, I mean, no. But no. then, there's only a handful of players I get that with. I think mm. the French players I get that with a lot. Yeah, it's a big um, thing here. My favorite sound by far is still Magali's. The minute I hear a sound, I M- fucking melt, man. Magali so playing the um, the G minor concerto on the on her Bach on album. Her back album? Yeah. Oh. That's the first recording I give man. to all of my students. Really? Whenever I start working privately with someone, and you know, I start talking about like how to be expressive without vibrato mm. and all the things you can do, I send them that recording, and Seriously? everyone's mind is always blown. Yeah. Always. Yeah, because I always I recommend her recordings quite a lot just because I don't think she's as well known as she should be. But she doesn't play that game, right? She's not part of the flute club. Cool She's not well. doing the that's rock and roll as well. It's, it's I've always great. admired her for that man. I remember once, one of the very first lessons I had with her was in her flat in Paris, and I was going to watch her do a concert where she was doing La Primitive. It wasn't one of the first lessons. I'd actually, I'll tell you exactly the day it happened. It was the day Prince died because I remember getting out of the metro before the concert and find out Prince had died. So whatever day that was, I think it was twenty sixteen ish. But um, 
I, I saw her in a lesson the day before and I said you're like oh by the way just out of curiosity are you nervous for playing that Pimini tomorrow with the Philharmonie and your big concert and she was just like no and I was like why and I was like it's me and I was like it is you man that's so fucking cool that's what else do I want to talk about oh I've, I've got some fun questions yeah. for you actually which I probably should have asked you I should have said them to you before but they're nothing weird don't worry okay, um, okay. do you have a favourite flute concerto don't say Eber, okay? Give me something good. Oh, no, no, no. I would never say Eber. Um, not that there's anything wrong with Eber. I really like the C.P. Bach A minor concerto. The A minor? A minor. Wow, okay. Because yeah. the D minor one's the rock and roll one. That's the rock and roll one, but A minor is, is the, the surprise rock and roll it's one. It's lovely. It's on, who did an album with that as well? Exactly. Has John recorded it now? He did, yes. Yes, yeah, he has. I thought he did. Back in the 19, late 80s, I think. Yeah, I thought I knew that as well, yeah. Amazing. Amazing yeah. piece. I love that. So that's your favorite concerto, the CP Bach I A think minor. That and the. Yeah, I love that piece. Do you know what, what I think my favorite concerto is right now? What is it? Is the Dalbavi, Marc Antoine oh, Dalbavi. so good. I went to see Magali play it a couple of years ago and it just switched me. I love contemporary music the, as well. We bonded over this. No, no, I mean, I, uh, but such, that's a that is a great concerto. Yeah. I, I do. I've never learned the Dalbavi. Have you? Oh god, I'm not learning it, man. You can fuck off. I'll, I'll listen to it. I'm not learning it. I'm not seeing. There's a lot of pieces like that that you'll listen to, but you'll never learn. Yeah, man. I've actually one piece I've never played. Sequenza. You've never played. Never it? played. Sequenza. Wasn't it on the the required test piece? It on? was one year, but then I think that year I I was leaving and oh I just left without getting my diploma. That's a whole other. That was story. that was a rough. That was a rough year. Uh, yeah, I don't. I never learned Sequenza. I actually really like Sequenza as well, it's but a good never piece. probably it's learned a good it. Piece, yeah. um, okay, favorite flute album of all time. Ooh. Is there anything that springs to mind straight away when you think of... I mean, immediately, I love um, the... Uh, I really enjoy the CD. This is, this is kind of like a lesser-known CD. It's um, Vincent Luca playing... Uh, uh, it's called Paris 1900. I know that album, yeah. And it has the yeah. best recording of the Melboni Sonata I've ever heard. And I used to hate that That's, piece I actually really until like I heard that recording. Yeah. Yeah. That's an amazing That's recording. That's a really good answer. It's a good one. Okay, fair play. I'm happy with that. Uh, do you remember the first flute album you ever bought or streamed? Oh, yeah. Um, that would have been Jean-Pierre Rampal. Oh, I think the Golden... Answer. It's an album called The Golden Flute, and I bought it on, yes. on LP vinyl. I actually have the LP. I found it in a, in a second-hand store recently. That yeah. is good. Great yeah, because it's like... Is it all concertos, is it? It's all concertos and some like little Bach things that he yeah, like, transcribed. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, wonderful. yeah. Wonderful. Um, okay, first album in general you bought or streamed. Oh, this is... Do you know this? Yeah, I actually do. It's, I think we've um, had this conversation probably about a hundred times, but... Maybe. I remember the first album I bought on iTunes was um, Arctic Monkeys. Whatever people say I am. Yep. That's, oh. Whatever people say I am, that's what I'm we bought, not. We bonded a lot over the Arctic Monkeys over the years yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Did awesome. you used to play in a band? Did you play in I a... used to play in a band. Yeah, and you we played used to bass, cover... didn't you? No, guitar. Play guitar? Fuck. Guitar and you covered, and you covered when the sun goes down at one point? Or? We did um, Fluorescent Adolescent, <laughs> Sun Goes Down. We did a bunch of them. That's it's, a class, it's, a, it's a different period That's of my so life. Rock and roll. My first my album, life. by the way, was uh, Sum 41, All Killer, No Filler. That's that was very cool, man. I would have thought Blink... One, <laughs> Blink, uh, Blink, you're a shite. I never liked them. <laughs> you don't like... No, I, I have one or two good songs. Sum 41 were always superior to Blink. Good for you. Good for always. you. Always. Um, okay, the one piece you'd love to perform that you haven't yet... Uh, Brandenburg um, three, the one with flute and violin. Is it three, isn't it? Yeah. It's either three or five. I think it's three. Yeah. Are you going to try to play the play at some point? Yeah, we're trying to do it with Imago. We're planning yeah. to sort of get some string players, open up the co- the the concert, That'd and be a good do one. that. That's a good one. Yeah, the one I I've never that. played. I think you've played it though. Is the Mozart Flute Quartet? Mm. I've never had the luxury. I'm playing of that next like, next month. 
I love the D major one. Obviously, D major yeah. one. I mean, yeah. listen, the C major one is. I know yeah. you 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 talk Man. shit about the other ones, but yeah, they are shit. You should listen to Jean Ferrandez's album. Well, if Jean's playing it, then obviously it's good. Yeah, but yeah, if that man could play anything. Let's go. Okay, and what would be your go-to piece to impress someone who's never heard of flute or classical music? I've rephrased this question to what it originally was. What was it? But the original question was: if you're on a first get... date and you want to show someone off, what do you play? It's. It, I already have this. I I did not know this question beforehand, but I already have an answer, which is go. definitely Anderson A2 number three, the one in G major. You know it. I do know it, yeah. I don't know, it, it is impressive, to be fair. If you can play it just out of the top of your head. Can you? Show us. No, don't. Don't go off. I love God. Don't play the flute in here. If I, if I mess this up, you gotta cut it. <laughs> okay. Let's right. go. Let's nice. go. Okay. Nice. That was it. Cheers. <laughs> Snapchat. That was actually really good, to be fair. Okay, and the last thing. I don't know why I put this question last. Here, don't even start me, man. I, I'm not touching that thing. What's the last question? Last question. Do you have any funny pre-performance rituals or superstitions? Yes. I I have one thing that I do with my body um, before every single concert. And uh -huh. everyone who plays with me, they, they, they know what it is. Yeah. And it basically involves like shaking my arms like a flailing... Okay. I'm not going to do it. Is it to get like rid it's, of the tension? No, it's just to get blood in my hands. Because I have very ah. cold hands. Jesus Christ! Yeah, they're from beyond the grave. Those hands. It's, it's rough. It's rough. I mean, I'm Brazilian. I'm Brazilian, and this this isn't normal for me. True. This true. weather is not okay. Ah, yeah, you don't suit that. To be fair, yeah. I know because I was going to say, are you the first American I've had this podcast? But technically, you're not American, so it's 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 a it's a fine line. So I still haven't had an American. No, Gary Shocker's American. Fuck. Yeah. Ah, shit. I've only had one. Then. It's All okay. Right, that'll it's do. okay. You'll have um. Have you heard of any other weird pre-performance rituals? No. Have you seen any weird ones? I have a friend. Don't worry, you're fine. Vous voulez s'asseoir, y'a pas de souci. Oui, oui, y'a pas de souci. Ouais, bien sûr, allez-y, ouais. Y'a pas de problème. Parce qu'on a des micros et ça dérange pas. Ouais, c'est tout proche, ton père. On n'est pas live. Oh my god, I have. Let's see. I have friends who sleep before, like in the changing room. They sleep. Oh wow, we nap in before playing? We nap. Um, there's the usual, a you know, narcotics. There's, there's. I mean, people do all kinds of things. Oh yeah, I've seen them. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. reminds me actually of um, back when I was at Indiana, yeah. at the Jacob School, we had this amazing tradition of um, basically chamber music sight reading parties. No, no, and this is this That's is. That's great. This is back tell with me. like, oh my god, with, this is back with like Kramer. Uh, Joshua Bell was in this. You were telling me Joshua Bell was he used to pop by, didn't he? He used to pop by during the parties. Great guy. I wrote in his Porsche once. Man, I love Josh Bell as well. He's so rock and roll. I, another, but what's the chamber music? So parties? the chamber music parties were these. Uh, once a month, we'd have a party, and it was basically at someone's house. Oh, we're good. We're good. And basically, you would have a big bag of chamber music. Yeah. And in this bag, just all kinds of stuff. Everyone shows up. They imbibe, drink whatever they want for yeah. an hour, and then we're like, okay, let's go. Somebody gets on a chair with a big bag. <laughs> we're playing the. Trout Quintet. No way, uh, You on violin, Tomas, can you play violin too? Um, for the piano, we're doing this. But where does the game aspect come into? Is there a competitive aspect to it? Well, first of all, we're all sight reading. Yeah. And we're all trash. You're all trunk, yeah. And then, you know, you're just trying to get through the piece. People <laughs> start throwing things. It's amazing. It's great. Oh, man, I want to play that. And by the end of the night, no one can read shit from Shinola. And so, <laughs> you just... You're playing. What did you say there? What's that phrase you just shit said? from Shinola? You don't What's know what Shinola. Shinola, I, if I'm not mistaken, is a uh, something you use to shine your shoes. 
That's a great phrase. It's very redneck especially. Yeah, that, yeah, I, I learned yeah, it. Yeah, I learned it in that's Indiana. Very American, I'm learning. You I'm embracing Americanisms in this hey, podcast. You don't oh, know shit man, from Shinola. Music parties. That's classic. amazing. Amazing. Was there like a shot penalty or anything involved in it? A what? Like a penalty for wrong notes or? I mean, if I remember correctly, you have to drink I mean, more. That, that's hard to remember. You when drink you more, that, I but you also get things thrown at you, and then you just it just keeps going. And by the end of the night, oh, you, you man, can't. You don't know what you're playing. Well, I know what we're doing when this camera stops. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting trash here and doing a party. Um, so you know what? We've been talking for over an hour here, so we're going to have to wind this up. Okay. Should, I, should I do the um, the yeah. honors? This podcast will be free. Oh, no. yeah. Do it. Yeah. I was going to do that in the introduction. you want to do it for me? I do, do it. it for you. Do it. <laughs> this podcast is free. It will always be free. There will be no Patreon. Will there be a Patreon? There might be a Patreon. Okay, sorry. There, there might be a Patreon. There will be no extra content on the Patreon. <laughs> there might be an OnlyFans. Um, <laughs> if you could spare the amount of a, a of a Sprite, no, Dr. Pepper, of a Dr. Dr. Pepper Dr. in your respective country, it keeps the podcast going, and I immensely appreciate appreciate it. There you are. It helps me not take students. Man, number one fan. I fucking love that. Beautiful. I, right. Well, on that note, we are going to get out of here and go have another pint. Okay, Cheerio. Cheers. Thank you for missing. Uh, thank you for missing. Thank you for listening. Thank you for missing. Cheerio, lads. <laughs>